ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control Nine. to Major Tom. Seven. Commencing countdown engines on Three Two Check ignition And may God's love be with you
Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. This is Soho Radio, the Art Hour, and we have Michael Landy with us today. Uh, before introducing, introducing Michael Landy, for those who do not know him, uh, I would like to congratulate John... Uh, <laughs> didn't know this was coming. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, for getting married to Katie. Congratulations, John. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, we are very happy uh, for you, but also... I've just uh, got to meet John and I'm very happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> We're in, in sunny Soho, which is rare as well. So that makes our moment even happier. It has. It's been a very soft landing coming back from Italy. You've had a nice sunny week. You look quite tanned Thank as you. well. Right, well. This, this is terrible well. radio. Should we talk about Michael? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, let's go back to Michael. Oh, Michael, do we have to? I was enjoying the bit about John. Yeah, <laughs> and his tan. Uh, so it's it. Michael is quite tanned as well because oh. he, yeah, I mean that's my ruddy complexion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he came uh, back from Athens, where he now has uh, breaking news. Project Athens, yeah. Yes, Athens at uh, the Neon Organization. So, uh, Michael Landy is a royal academician. He, in a way, belongs, if we want to categorize people in that way, which I'm not always sure about, YBA movement, graduating from Goldsmiths, and uh, he's a conceptual artist. Um, the breakthrough, Michael. A breakthrough? You. Yeah, as an artist. Oh, me. Oh, breakthrough. Okay, I yeah. thought you meant breakdown, but breakthrough. Okay. It, it was a breakdown that made the breakthrough. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's the thing. Yeah, I talk about it. It's the thing I'm best known about is destroying all my worldly belongings back in 2001. That was a commission of Art Angel. That I was, mean, yeah. Art yeah. Angel, they commissioned artists to do public artworks. Um, and my public artwork was on Oxford Street, which is now Primark. But at the time, it was a, a former CNA building which is their flagship store, so people knew it from like the 1950s and 60s. And uh, my idea was, yeah, to literally destroy all my worldly belongings in front of um, complete strangers. Again, so, this is terrible radio, but I'm holding in my hand my copy of the Breakdown Inventory. I didn't know that. And it's a good two inches thick. So the final total, what was it, 7,227 7, items. <laughs> Which is an amazing amount of stuff for someone to own. And I, yeah, um, I mean, that well, sounds really painful. At the age of 37, I mean, obviously, when you set out to draw your worldly belongings, you don't know how many belongings you have until obviously one has got to forensically count them all. And then I literally had a list of everything I owned, and that's where that book comes from. So I made a list of everything I owned so people could actually, you know, um, read the list. So C was for clothing. MV was for motor vehicle, which was my Saab 900 car, uh, which I actually knocked out. I had a bump in the car, I remember, but I thought I'd have it look its best for when I destroyed it. So I knocked, we had the bump knocked out and I had it cleaned and waxed. So it looked really good before we destroyed it. No, the, very, the very last item in the inventory that's is, it, yeah. is the Saab. I've obviously I destroyed my record collection or yeah. my vinyl, uh, my... Uh, uh, everything basically. I mean, you know, also so, letters and uh, photographs. Yeah, old family. photographs, of family mementos, mm -hmm. um, artworks, uh, which A was for artwork, uh, L was for leisure, so that'd be like photographs, things like that. So it's very, E was for electrical, so it's very, um, uh, it's, you know, it's very procedural in its way of destruction. It was like, it took like two weeks to destroy everything. 
Procedural, kind of but this is not a dry read. Sorry? I actually quite enjoyed flicking through this because there, yeah, I don't really read it are, myself. There but are yeah, romantic comments about so many of the entries that I won't. I won't go to any of them. But it's, no, it isn't a dispassionate catalogue. No, 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 of, no. It isn't. I mean, it's a kind of semi-autobiography. Yeah, and know? it was yeah. To I mean, I kind of rationalised it as the, when I was a child, I used to like taking things apart, and it was a similar kind of thing. At the age of thirty-seven. I kind of wanted to take everything apart so people, it, so cons consumerism could kind of reveal itself. And I did this, yeah, I'd, yeah. It was like uh, a kind of mid-30s crisis uh, that you wanted to reconstruct no, yourself? No, it was, it, was, um, it was to expose myself to people, really, I suppose. Um, but not in that way, boom, boom. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, just um, to like, try and consumerism was kind of trying to reveal itself because, I mean, as I'd spoke at the time, it's like the strongest ideology of our time. And people create their social lives and everything much more now than they did even like 20, 30 years ago. People construct. And so I just kind of wanted to understand why we, you know, why, why, why that is really. And, yeah. and, and, and the main thing was for people to come in there and witness it. That's what I really liked. People, it's different reading about it to actually coming in and seeing it. And then as you got closer, because I had like 100 meters of conveyor belt. And you could see the objects in different um, disrepair and like, you know, wh like whether it's a whole thing or something that's been completely taken apart. And, um, and people would talk about what uh, their own feelings about possession and their own feelings of what they could, like what you'd run into a Do you have records of grab those? And what you'd leave behind. Obviously, most people don't grab the VCR, they grab family and mementos, pictures, things like that. So... You're kind of talking about people's different value systems, really. Do you have records of uh, what people shared? A documentation? Uh, no, or, no. Just, it was just, I mean, I said, like, as yeah. an artist, what, most of the time what you do is ignored by people, or quite a lot of the time you kind of do something and no one talks to you about it. And then, and, but something like this, people really, like, literally wanted to literally talk to you then and there about it. So we spent a lot of time just talking, I mean, we could have just spent a whole time talking to people about it, really, because people really had an immediate reaction to it, whether they were angry with it, because obviously people spend their whole lives to acquire things, and there I was destroying it all. You know, I could have given it away, could have given it chat. I mean, there's so many things I could have done with it, but that wasn't the artwork. I love the Gary Hume story, which is... The, Gary Humane, he, I call him. He wanted to take the painting away, but in the end was so moved by it. Well, no, he did take the painting away, yeah. and that's, and that's um, because, yeah, he gave me a, a painting for my birthday, and then, um, and then he heard I was going to destroy everything, so he decided that he would make up this story where he, he wanted that painting back, basically, and he gave me what he thought was an inferior painting to destroy, which I didn't know that's what, he, what his <laughs> intentions were. But then he was really moved when he came to see it, and he felt really mean, so he gave me the original painting back, which I destroyed in front of a German film crew. <laughs> right, Vasiliki's waving me on. We've had a role change this week, and I'm afraid this is as well as being the art hour, it's amateur hour as I do the music. So we'll go to our, our second track Public Enemy. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what this world is coming to. Yes! The rhythm, the rebel, without a pause, I'm low in my level. The hard drama, where you never been, I'm in. You want styling, you know it's time again. D, the, the enemy. enemy. Tell you to hear it. They praise my music, it's time to play my lyrics. Some say no to my album, the show. Bum rush the sound, I made a year ago. I guess you know, you guess I'm just a radical. Now no sabbatical, yes, to make it critical. The only part of your body should be partying too. Pass the power on the aisle from the rebel to you. Hey, yo, Chuck, man. 
They just okay me now, knowing it grown. When that clock in my zone, there's no staking it, taking everything that a brother owns. Hard! My calling card, recorded and ordered. Supporter of Chesamar, loud and proud, kicking live next pause. Supreme loop of truth, bazooka the scheme. Flavor, boy! A rebel in his own mind. Supporter of my rhyme, designed to scout our line of suckers who claim I do crime. Till my time, ticket. Hey, yo, Chuck, MTV think we taking short. Show this is Tom Medina, man. Kick it. Terminator X. Come on, Terminator. Cut it up. Cut it up. Come on, boy. Terminator X. Oh, shucks. We get live. Cole Medina. Terminator X. Cole Medina. Yeah, boy. Terminated. Yo, Chuck, you getting nervous. Handle it. From a rebel that's final, I'm black final soul. Rock and roll coming like a rhino. Tables turn, suckers burn to learn. They can't disable the power of my label. Death Jam tells you who I am. The enemy's public, they really give a damn. Strong island, where I got a wildin'. That's the reason they claiming that I'm violent. Never silent, no dope getting dumb, no claiming. Where we get our rhythm from? Number one, we hit you and we give you some. No gun, it's still never on the run. You wanna be an S1? Griffin, tell you when. And then you come again, you know what time it is. In peace, the president, pulling out my ray gun. Zap the next one, I could be a showgun. Suckers. Don't last a minute, soft and smooth, I ain't with it. Hardcore. Raw bone like a razor. I'm like a laser, I just won't phrase ya. Old enough to raise ya, so this will phase ya. Get it right, boys. Maybe I will praise ya. Playing a role I got sold to. Voice my opinion with volume. That was Public Enemy, Rebel Without the Pause, which I don't remember at all, but has led to a lot of reminiscing in the studio. <laughs> well, I think it's. I think what it reminds me of is uh, Goldsmith's 1985 or whatever, yeah, walking down Campbell New Road for the first time and uh, heading towards uh, Goldsmith's College of Art, which is now flat. So I was running the gym one day and I uh, looked up. I thought, I'd recognise that building. And they turned our old art school into flats because it was one of those property makeover programmes. And I thought, that's really appropriate. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about the goldsmith years. Thinking I about can't Nick remember. And, and um, <laughs> you, could easy, you could easily have been a much more political artist than you even have been. I was thinking about well, the first Well, I mean, I work. don't think really, I don't think um, that, we didn't really talk about politics no. at Goldsmiths. It wasn't one of the conversations. We wouldn't talk, that's not, but I was like, yeah, I mean, um, I guess those kind of concerns came out afterwards in a sense. I mean, I made this fictitious company cleaning company called Scrappy Services whose sole intention was to get rid of people who no longer played a useful role in life and yes. basically that was about uh, kind of back in the 1980s um, like vast swathes of the country um, being basically just people closing down industries, industrial industries and basically closing down communities and like 30 years later a lot of those people voted for Brexit so it's like they were just waiting for the opportunity to kick us up the arse <laughs> And actually, so many of those works from the early 90s, they look like, especially prescient now. Like, also, yeah. I don't know if your finger was on the pulse of something then, but it's, it feels as relevant now as it was then. Um, thank you. I don't really know. I mean, I mean, I've just always been, one way or another, whether it's like what value human beings have to offer or, or ob what value we give to objects or to rubbish or whatever. I mean, I've always been into weeds. Like, you know, we, find, we look at weeds and they're kind of like just a nuisance and people want it dig them up and get rid of them and uh so i've always been interested in you know our you know our own value systems i've done a project called um 
acts of kindness where I asked yeah. uh, people like traveling on the, the central line to send in their everyday acts of kindness. And I kind of wanted people to um, articulate kindness today, not like some sort of nostalgic thing we had back in the 1950s or some, or, you know, people find it very difficult to talk about kindness because they think it's a bit mushy and a bit like, Ooh. How do you how do you vocalize that? And that's why I thought, you know, it's like I didn't say you didn't have to be superhuman or a saint to be kind, you know. And so I just want to like, you know, you've got a bit of shaving foam on your ear. You haven't really. But someone <laughs> if you've just touched your ear. But, but people, you know, but that's just little stories like that. Someone like would say, oh, you've got a bit of, you know, you've got, you know, you've got a bit of shaving. Or, you know, someone's depressed and they're sat on the tube and someone's sitting opposite them. And suddenly this, you know, this person's like in the pit of depression and this person makes them a little origami horse and drops it in their lap as they're about to alight the train. And suddenly that person realises they're no longer alone. And so those, I mean, they're just very simple, just very simple stories because obviously a lot of time you travel on the tube, people are rude to you. You know, you always remember those kind of stories, people being rude to you. But um, so I just wanted to s celebrate that really because like when you first go on the tube, it's like suddenly you're aware that you know, you're on this carriage full of complete strangers. That, in um, a way, it's, it's a political action. Yeah. To sen sensitivize the environment and the people you have around you within a society. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, so and to celebrate that fact that we're, we are actually, whether we like it or not, we are actually connected to each other. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you consider your art political? Um, I, not, I, I don't really like <laughs> But I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, in in a way, or social, I guess. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you I mean, it's more like critical. into what makes us human, basically. I think that's yeah. what. Yeah, but you what... have kind of been in kind of the the market project in the nineties. You were kind of yeah, yeah, very touring, yeah. very um, critical towards uh, consumerism. Yeah. And yeah, then, I mean, destroying my worldly belongings. I mean that. I mean, you could. Yeah, it's yeah. critiquing con consumerism. Yeah, of course. I mean, that was. And I think at the time, it. I mean, I didn't say it, but it probably was a kind of yeah attack on consumerism. You know. And then we with bargain. You kind of you so were more. Have a look round, please. Everything must go. <laughs> Everything's been reduced, and everything's at a fraction of normal stop and store prices. Don't believe me. I'm one of the world's greatest liars. But if you like to step inside, let your eyes be your guide, your pockets your judge, and the money the very last thing you part with. We said we would treat you, and by golly, by George, treat you with jolly well well for today. And today only, we're going to clear them out of the way. Yes, we're mad. No, we're not joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you. That was 1992 as well. You did that. It was. That was yeah. Uh, it was more it? about the commodification, sorry, of art. Yeah. And again, again, that looks very forward-looking. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like 1992. I mean, um, I mean, I'd only left college a few years before that, and so as a student, you're not really aware of uh, economic cycles. Um, and and 1992 was the first real downturn. So I entered the art world where, and suddenly I remember going to the Clone Art Fair and I thought, God, this artist making art all over the world. And I didn't really like, I mean, when you're at art school, you don't really like, you don't really, and you're not really that aware of it. And then, uh, you know, and it was very buoyant, the art market was very buoyant. And then suddenly when it nosedived and it uh, nosedives at the same time as a housing uh, crash as well. Yeah. And um, so quite a lot of London looked like my gallery. I literally took over my old gallery in Charlotte Street and put this where it used to say Carson Schubert Limited. I put closing down sell banner and I basically collected all these shopping trolleys, filled it with rubbish and festooned it with lots of day glow signs. And someone's waving at me. Are you waving hello to yeah. me? No, I'm, I'm waving to John I'm for the next track. I'm being waved for the next track. Oh, right. OK, we'll, <laughs> we'll continue the story. <laughs>
Okay, well, this this one is this. Uh, all dog lovers out there are going to be shouting uh, a tear. Uh, get now. your hankies out, <laughs> hankies <laughs> to the ready. This is Old Tig by Jim Reeves. How long have you been listening to that track? Uh, since, well, my dad used to come in from the pub and he used to, well, he used to play Jim Reeves generally. Bimbo, Bimbo, where are you going to go, yo, Bimbo? That's one of his favourite ones. But uh, Old Tig, yeah, well, from when I was six, seven, I suppose. Yeah, I used to always, yeah. I, if I ever wanted to make myself cry, I'd just put that on. So it's a song about an American serviceman who comes back and finds that his yeah, he's, died, uh, yeah, his faithful dog uh, saves him. For, um, but yeah, because uh, his mum didn't tell him that the dog had died, and so the dog saves his life because he goes to visit his mother, and it's very foggy. And uh, basically, the dog meets him from the bus and takes him safely home. And then his mother says that, "Sorry, son, I didn't tell you, but 
Tiger, old Tiger died a few years before. You know. I mean, I think, Michael, you should stop because yeah. John will start crying yeah, in a while yeah, if yeah. he thinks that something will go wrong. No, with no, the, you're talking yeah. to someone who's just driven 3,400 <laughs> miles so that I could take my dog That's to my wedding. I was committed. Yeah, yeah. While we're having a sentimental moment and before we yeah, yeah. park breakdown completely, if I could offer you one object oh. back from this book, what... What would you have back? Oh, you, I wouldn't have anything because there's, there's so much in well, there. Well, I think once you did, I mean, I said once I've I did, uh, I destroyed my artist's archive because so, I'm an artist, so I think of everything about that's, yeah. I mean, that's just what motivates me. Uh, that could destroy that because most quite a lot of things only exist as photographs, and they'll once you can destroy your archive, you can destroy anything, yeah. See, this so is... anything else is immaterial, really. It's not cars, VCRs. I mean, they're not going to... No. My Saab 900 car, you know, if I looked after it, you know, may have lasted 10 or 15, 20 years, but... It seems that you it... have a unique sense of uh, freedom through the whole uh, process. Well, I mean, I did find it very liberating. And, I mean, during the two weeks, it was liberating. At the same time, witnessing your own death, my mum came in, I had to throw her out because she started crying because I thought she'd only cry at my funeral. Oh, no, she cries all the time. But, she, but, but, it's like, but it was just too, like having your mother yeah so also old friends would turn up i hadn't seen for years and i thought oh yeah they'd turn up if i was dead so um so yeah so it was both joyful because suddenly you kind of look around you and you start you know just you get an appetite for taking things apart my wife is fascinated with this because i'm a compulsive hoarder and we argue about it all the time because i just so you try and ditch it try and throw your stuff out i can't throw copies of like you know freeze magazine away and just have this massive archive like you did and well, I mean, yeah. Did, I mean, did, you, the move, thing did is, you move on and did and, and act differently afterwards? Uh, well, it did change me. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I think the, what I was trying to say earlier on was I didn't really think about at the age of eight. I hadn't really thought about all this stuff that I'd acquired because you just have it, don't you? You yeah. have um, some people have more than others, but you know, you you, you have it, you, and um, and that's part of you. And uh, when you move or you move in with someone new or whatever, uh, you know, it's just it just follows you around. But then. And then making a list, you obviously become aware of how much stuff you have because suddenly you have to, even like the bits of the VCR, that black moldy bit that's fallen off, you have to give that a name as well. So it's very forensic. So, um, but I didn't, um, I didn't miss anything or, I mean, it was really, I mean, I, I started with zero. So at the end of the, the performance, if we could call it that, I literally I just had a blue boiler suit on. The, the question here, okay, I have two. One is about the suit. Why the, the you always suit. have yeah? Why you always have boiler suits? Uh, what not? that represents? <laughs> and the second question is: I think that many listeners will have at the time is okay. You destroy everything. You're an artist. Yeah. Um, how you make your living? I mean, okay, we are against commodification, but we need well, how I made my living afterwards. You have to 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 You're sell. Into my bank manager. I mean, as an <laughs> you no, know, no, yeah, as an artist. I mean, yeah. inevitably, well, I mean, you need is... you need to sell something to make yeah, your yeah. living. This is the product. Yeah, I mean, you I've produced. had a very topsy turvy uh, career as far as that that is concerned. I remember one gallery said they couldn't make any financial sense of me, and I thought, yeah, that's probably about right. So it's yeah. I mean, I make drawings. I make things. People buy can collect drawings okay. i mean i didn't make after i did breakdown i didn't actually make anything for a whole year because it was such a uh kind of uh full stop in a sense that how do you create things again how mm. do you start making things again when you'd really done everything you said everything in that one project that you probably ever wanted to say in a sense and so how do, how how do you move forward from that and it was it was like so it's more um i had real uh, uh creative block i love what you did next 
drawings of delicate weeds going yeah. back after the apocalypse. Yeah, that's what it was. Little weeds, little etchings. I made little of uh, little weeds growing in cracks in the pavement because I found um, very um, optimistic kind of things because they basically just grow in cracks. And you think, how does something living grow in a little crack like that? And then, um, and there was like shepherd's purse and. Um, it's like a very distinctive um, seed pod, so the shape of a heart, and that's one of the first plants I started. And so, um, and that's how I got back into it, because that's, that's how I became an artist, really, through drawing. I mean, I came from working-class background. I didn't know one could even become an artist. I didn't know what that... And so, I mean, I, but I had a facility to draw, and the mm. teacher said that I was good at that. And so I just basically went along with that, and then I went, ended up at art school. When did your parents realise you'd made it? Because uh, I would draw in pubs and bars and pe draw people and uh, people go, oh, your son's really good at drawing. And, and also in 1970s, you'd be bored a lot. So, you know, I'd be in pubs and my dad was always, and, it, and it'd be like wallpaper and I would like look at the wallpaper and then it would turn into little figures and I'd start to draw that. And so a lot of it's through boredom or going mm. to Ireland, like poured with rain the whole time. So you'd be stuck away with your sketchbooks because you had no choice, so you just there with a pad and some pens, and then um, that's interesting. And it kind of moves yeah. on from that, really. If, because you're more well known as a conceptual artist, an installation artist, which yeah. I think it's unfair from what we're listening now. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I think that's where my school, core yeah. is. I think that's where the core is. And then um, I like, you know, I like to do other kinds of projects. Obviously, my breaking news, Athens. I mean, that involves drawings. So, um, but um, yeah, I mean, I've. I recreated my family house uh, called uh, Semi-Detached at Tate Britain. And I think, apart from drawing, the other thing was uh, my dad had a serious industrial accident back in 1977. And I think that's what really my thoughts and concerns as an artist came through that, really. Because dad was, uh, came to this country in the late 50s. That's where he met my mother. That He's Irish. But, you know, he used to do, like, t tunnels, uh, uh, parts of the tube system he built, uh, sewers things like that, kind of jobs that nobody else wanted to do. And then one day it was tunnelling in Northumberland and uh, a cave uh, tunnel fell in, down on top of him. So he's mm. kind of being buried alive. And he only survived because a man came in and pulled him out. And then he, but at that point he had like some very serious spinal injuries and we weren't sure if he was going to live. And then um, he was in traction for about six months. And then, um, but he could never go back to what, what he wanted to do. So, um, but, and which was like very physical labor. So, um, so uh, I read, uh, so I did this project because I've basically began with re reading his med medical records because of the NHS, it's literally from cradle to grave. So you can f trace someone's medical history and with his mm. permission. That's what I did. That's where I started. So I read about, like I read back about the accident my dad had when I was a kid. So and the nurse talks about what big muscles my dad had in his shoulders because he's like literally at, at the face of, of the earth and he's cutting into it with a spade. And so he's got these big muscles. And then when I did the project, by this time, you know, my dad, you know, was, you know, very unwell. You know, he, he no longer had those muscles. He was kind of rapidly um, deteriorating. And um, so I make this project about him, but it's also much to do about me probably as well. Yeah, so I literally recreate my family house in Essex. That's what I do, and split it in two. And then I make films where, which are the back screen projections of um, one piece was of my dad whistling to Jim Reeves actually some of and and Johnny Cash and some of his um, 
you know, uh, f- favorite kind of people from. Well, we've got Johnny Cash to come. I yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think we should go to yeah. to have a music break uh, to get a to get a breath here. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I've talked quickly. No, it's I'll not slow down. No, no, no. It's 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 emotional, and yeah. thank you for sharing all this kind That's of. That's right. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's go to Tiswas by <laughs> Sleaford Moss. Mods. <laughs> Time forgot is on repeat. I can hear the screams of people who wanna be me. They wanna shake my tongue and tell the others that they were the ones who made me. Who made me? I got minutes of the way through and oh. as a proud Greek woman Vasiliki has been remarkably restrained in not talking about the Athens project yet so I'm going to have to let you both fly with that one okay yeah I went to Athens for the Athens documenta um, I have to admit that I had many kind of uh, internal debates about the whole documenta and all the debates that it opens as an event as such and um, I I, I I was invited to go to Michael's, um, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it exhibition. I don't want to call it show. I mean, uh, uh, anyway, no matter what that was, it was a, a, f- a, a breath of fresh air for me. And I found it really relevant. I felt that really someone can learn from Athens. It was the most relevant project to the title. And it, 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 it felt very generous, open, and I saw you around, not paying attention to anyone, with your boiler suit doing your, your it's a work. Different boiler suit. <laughs> yeah, the blue one. So yeah. I had the question why is always a boiler suit That's involved? A coincidence. <laughs> yeah. So I saw you there on a ladder. We, we had a kind of, uh, we were a group of people and we had a lunch. You came really fast in and out <laughs> to continue your work very committed dedicated receiving messages from people living in Athens 
uh, interpreting through your colors, the selected colors of, of uh, white and blue that kind of resemble the Greek flag mm. and, um, and put them around the venue. And yeah. I truly, as an Athenian, I saw the contemporary and not only history of Athens through these walls. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's not really about me in a sense, because it's, I mean, I mean, I'm trying to suck in Athens into this bi old building and, and it's an old school. Yeah, it's an old it's school entirely. and um, it's rather dilapidated and trying to suck all this whether it's social or cultural information sent in by the Greek public into this building and then filtrate it into, into the building and, um, and then tell lots of different stories. And um, people come to it and people find it very funny, but also very, find it very sad because they're kind of living through it as well. And, um, and so it's not really about my own thoughts and feelings about Athens. It's really about, it's really trying to project it back to people. And then people, basically I ask members of the group yeah, public. Yeah, we need to explain to send, a little yeah, bit what it is. It's yeah. a neon, it's not called neon. It's already told off it, which is a Greek name that they invented. It's called neon, not neon. And uh, but neon are basically how many times do I have to say neon? But um, they um, commission artists to do public art artworks in Athens, very similar to our angel. And um, this project is I'm asking the Greek public to send in their thoughts and feelings about living in Athens and and in Greece generally. And they basically send in um, text or um, or you know Im pictures. Uh, via the Neon website, and then I look at them, and then we—I've got eight people back in Athens. I have like a drawing studio where they create the drawings, if the images are accepted, and then the drawings go into this old school, and then at the end of the exhibition, the public can come and collect the drawings. They're all blue and white, and so they can also collect the drawings at the end of the exhibition. So it's a kind of two-way thing so it's about you know because no obviously normally when you read about greece or whatever it's all mediated through the media or through politicians and i so i wanted to ask people directly their own thoughts and feelings about their everyday lives as it is because you know we've had six or seven years of kind of austerity cuts there and where people are really and um and so it's really i mean i won't really ever completely understand I mean, I mean, I'm Athenian and I don't understand still. <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah, but it's really, it's really about, it's not really what I, t I mean, I, what I take away from it is what people come along to the exhibition and take away from it. And they, they look at it and then um, we've had a lot more submissions since uh, people have seen the exhibition because then they think, oh, maybe there are missing parts of the jigsaw puzzle that I could also contribute to as well. Some visions are, are still open, are they? Uh, no, it finished on the 26th. Okay. So what, yeah. what selection criteria have you applied? There to is no real criteria as such. It's just very subjective. It's what, it's what I like. Um, I think it's not, there's nothing in particular, really. I mean, it's, I mean, there's a lot of things I put, like, um, images along with side text. So it's, you know, so, yeah. I mean, I have, because it's an old dilapidated building, like, the first two islands that the refugees go to one's lesbos i can't remember what the other one's called now but 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 the, just the shapes of the islands also kind of mimic cracks in the building and i like the way the 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 because i talk about it like somehow the drawings have always been there in a sense and it's just when the, the plaster starts to peel away and the cracks start to reveal themselves that the drawings start to come through so it's kind of telling 
their story back to them, really. Yeah. Like, and they've always known it, but it, maybe it takes someone like me, an outsider, um, to come along and reveal it to them. To project it back to them and yeah from what i saw though there is no kind of ideological selection because i i sense that uh john might have this kind of question in terms of when he's asking about selection criteria so i saw kind of uh very conservative things and ideas that one could call them like that and very kind of um uh, more kind of liberal approaches so it was it was uh, literally a reflection of the society yeah. As I understand it by now. But what I want to ask Michael before going to the next track uh, is um, what is your general sense of what you got or what did you learn from Athens until now? Ooh. Well, I don't, I mean, that's a really hard question. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know, really, to be honest. I mean, what, that's through the exhibition in a way. Um, it's very, it's very hard. I mean, obviously, people have got like protest fatigue. People, um, I mean, it's just all, all the things that everybody already knows, really, that people want to, to see some hope, really. They want to see some hope. That's, I think, that's what they want to see. And they're, they're not getting it at the moment. Yeah, and um, I think that's, I think generally that's my own. And, you know, it's lots of conspiracy theories. There's all sorts of, I mean, things knocking about in such a kind of fertile atmosphere. But what I really like about Athens is. Just it has a re—it's slightly chaotic. London's got very boring over the last thirty years, more and more so. As I've, there's a really wonderful energy about Athens, which I really love. You may not get that, but I—I—I I, uh, uh, I, I really get. I think it's a really great chaotic, and I love. Obviously, artists love abandoned buildings. They love yeah. like they love all of that stuff. They love you know they love abandoned like potential. Like it reminds me like thirty years ago, like bits of South London just like run down post-industrial kind of you know all these empty spaces to to do things and i think i'm and i didn't realize we call it uh, athens is a new athens or berlin is a new <laughs> athens or whatever but it's um lots of young artists have been going there over the last few years partly because it's cheap because yeah. artists also go because they're like cultural tourists i mean they're also just going there because it's cheap and there's the sun fancy and good food <laughs> the food as well yeah so Hearing you describe that chaos it reminds me. Obviously, I was in Naples a couple of weeks ago, where Thomas Dane is now going. Oh yeah, as Thomas. Well, D- yeah. Which is how did you know about that? <laughs> oh, sorry. Is that a secret that I've let? It's not let, a secret on air. No, but, but Naples is is kind of wild and chaotic in a way that a lot of my guests from the UK found really appealing because we now live yeah. in this ultra sanitized commercial city, and that's very yeah, romantic. which is a great shame because obviously we encu- we you know we want to encourage young people. So I've got to get me platform now. Encourage young, you know, young people to come here and do things and not have to go somewhere else. Because more and more art students now, you talk to them, so oh, I can't afford to live here anymore. I've got to go and live somewhere else. Uh, to it's put crazy. on a show, it's extremely expensive now. It's so difficult. I mean, you have yeah, just to, to hire exist a venue. Here. Just yes. to exist yeah. here. Like, I remember I had a squat back in, oh, sorry, I'm an old bloke now. But back in the 1980s, I had a squat. You know, I lived on... Uh, like I showed uh, a house in whatever it's called, uh, like for eight pounds a week. You know, you could get by on not very much. Mm-hmm. As now, I think it's al- it's almost impossible now. Yeah. For me, Athens has two identities: the the morning identity, which is kind of very strict and boring, and the evening identity. Uh, the whole city transforms into t- something completely different, mm-hmm. vibrant and regenerating in a way yeah it's well, very, very you've spoken about hope and something i was going to ask you both is what is what is your sense of the state of athenian morale like is there hope there i mean mm. i'm not getting much no 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 as a feedback no not 
I think there are. I think there there are, but normally through ruins and stuff. Because yeah. I love ruins. Yes. I love wasteland. I love weeds. I mean, I love. I mean, I mean, for me, that they're all. I, th I think there is. I think you just you just have to look at it in a different mm. way. I think you have to look at it in a different and way. And the interesting thing for me that I saw, especially in t in art terms, apart from people going there who have more energy to put into that and still mm. and give hope again to yeah. people. Uh, so this this intercultural exchange mm. is also that many collectives uh, that were formulated in order to give a response and in order to make things happen and survive. So mm. people had to come together, which mm. this is a very kind of, uh, I don't know, I found it a very positive thing as an outcome. Let's go to the next track. Let's go to some Sunday jazz. Yeah. This is Autumn Leaves by Cannonball Adderley well, on the saxophone. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes, John. So, a shame as it is. To I'm end, 54. I'd like. To, I've still got a few layers still <laughs> left in me. Um, talking about then, what, what is coming next after Athens? Is that is uh, a pipeline? What is coming next? Um, I've got an exhibition in New York um, in November, and then and also Toronto, and I'm yeah. There are other things, but yeah, I mean they're kind of two things really. But uh, I mean I go back periodically because the thing about 
Breaking News Athens, I go back there because I put up the work. So it's like it's like it's like the news itself. So it get, kind of gets updated. So obviously, as we get news, because it's a live thing in a sense, the exhibition is not static, so it changes the whole time. So it, it kind of moves on, and then I change things around, and yeah. Because you had um, uh, what they call a mid-career retrospective. Three minute breakdown. That was, but uh, yeah, I had that. Yeah, because obviously I had to recreate stuff that I destroyed as well. So um, yeah, so kind of putting. I had saints. I made. I had an exhibition at the National Gallery back in whatever 2012 of uh, saints. um, You you were there for kinetic saints. Two years as artist in residence. Yeah, a bit longer than that. Yeah. Yeah, it was sold to me that they were going to like let me wander around it late at night by myself, but then they realised I was an iconoclast. <laughs> so if I was, so I thought I could wander around there, but then they re- realised who I was. And, well, I read uh, that in the first interview with them, you did say, "Hang on, can I just before we go any further? Do you know actually know what yeah, I well, do?" Yeah, I was doing because at that time I was doing this exhibition at the South London Art Gallery of called Art Bin, where I was asking artists to throw in their failures into this giant bin. So I was like destroying artworks and. And it was just like humongous bin that people were throwing their artworks into. So, yeah, I thought maybe they were pulling my leg or, or maybe... So I had to go there to make sure it was all legit. But, well, I was there for three years, so it was definitely was. But, yeah, I made Kinetic Saints from the Renaissance. Uh, yes. I had... Uh, who did I have? Uh, saint Apollonia. She's patron saint of dentists. And basically, she, uh, she's a virgin martyr. And it's from a Lucas Crank, the older painting. And she basically, you, you know who Saint Apollonia is because she holds a pair of pliers. Because when they torture her, they pull out all her teeth. There were kinetic sculptures that yeah, people could interact yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, you could put your foot in the I remember foot And remove a tooth. I <laughs> Not re- literally remove, but she would bash herself in the face. And Saint Jerome bashing the sexual urges out of himself. Yeah, he rock. would. Yeah, Saint That's Jerome. It. He had like he uh, thought about the dancing girls of Rome, so he would have to beat himself <laughs> with uh, this rock, bloody his chest, to take his mind off stuff. And his yeah. best friend was a lion. If space, money, and whatever else was no matter, no object, how you call it, the one million dollar question, John. Yes. Do you always ask Michael. everyone this question? Uh, not always, no. Oh. But the majority of uh, our guests oh, are, right, okay. uh, yeah. So what, what will be that? What would be what, sorry? If, if time, money and space were no object, what would be the, the dream artwork? That oh, God. Could... I'm not going to do it. <laughs> 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 I still might make that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave it like that. Yeah, we'll, yeah, leave it yeah. we'll leave it open. Yeah. Uh, we'll give... I'm, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm not telling you. <laughs> okay, fantastic. You have to torture me. Yeah. <laughs> we well, will yeah. get... Yes? Yeah, well, Michael's one of the people for whom it might actually happen. I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, that's, I don't uh, know. There are... There must be something lurking in the back of my head yeah. somewhere that's... I haven't quite, yeah, worked out what it is, but yeah. Okay, so we'll go Thank the... you very much, uh, Michael. We are going to the last track. I think it should be a goodbye because we have to... Yeah... That's what James suggests. <laughs> uh, Michael, thank you. Michael Landy, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you. Um, it, it was great to share all these experience, thoughts uh, with us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And we're going, we're going uh, out with Hurt by Johnny Cash. <laughs> I hurt myself today 
To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the end And you could have it all My empire of dirt Of thorns upon my liar's chair, full of broken thoughts, I cannot repair. Beneath the stains of time, the feelings disappear. You are someone else I am still right here What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away And you could have it all My empire of dirt I will let you down I will make you hurt If I could start again A million